Hello, and welcome to The Yellow Sofa. I'm Phil. And I'm Christy. And we're here with our friends, Conley and Signa Bodishbaugh, who have amazing life stories that are true. And you are just not going to want to miss them. Hi, Conley. Hi, Signa. Where are we going to start today? Thank you again, Phil and Christy Dennis. Conley and I would like to share with you an experience we had several years ago when we were invited to be a part of a conference in Prague, Czech Republic. It was one of the most eye-opening experiences we've had in ministry. And so we thought we'd just share it with you today because we've been talking about expecting a miracle, looking for miracles, being taken by surprise when miracles happen, but embracing them when God brings them into your midst. And I think this one really exemplifies that. For years, we'd been working with a Dutch team in the Netherlands and had done several conferences in the Netherlands and gotten to know some of the Dutch ministers over there. And there was a small group of them who had gone for years to Prague to minister to the Czechs. And so they invited us to come join them in one of their conferences in Prague. And I think the invitation said that they wanted me to be the keynote speaker. And I wasn't real sure what that meant. But anyway, we were thrilled to go. And we showed up and found ourselves part of the prayer team, as well as being scheduled to give what they called the keynote speech at this conference. And the conference was primarily organized by some Christian ministers in Prague for anyone interested in exploring deeper healing of the soul. Would you say that's accurate, Conley? Very much so, yes. Okay. So we've never been to Prague, and maybe some of y'all have, and it's always touted as being one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and parts of it are ancient and really gorgeous. But the part where we had this conference was anything but. Had we ever seen anything more grim in our lives? No, and it wasn't just the physical grimness. There was a spiritual grimness that was oppressive to the soul that it was left from the communist dictators or the regime for many years. They had only come free of communism for about 15 or 16 years when we were there for this conference. We we met in, um, I guess, an auditorium built for big assemblies for the Communist Party, and it was all concrete block. It seemed like everything was gray. Didn't you feel that way? That right, every, right. Everything looked gray. And uh, it was just stark. But, I mean, that was okay. We weren't looking for opulence or anything. But, like Conley said, it was just—it felt grim. It was just— It was right in the center of a development the communists had built, surrounded by apartment buildings that were about as stark as you can imagine— The uh, Czech government, over the years they had been uh, free from the communists, had painted some of these buildings bright colors, but they still were just concrete buildings. And the auditorium was inside, was very stark. There was little appreciation of beauty that I could see. Oh, well, me too. it, It was void of beauty for sure. Well, anyway, 
we get there and we're excited about what we're going to do. And we had team meetings, like several team meetings with the Czech team and the Dutch team. And we were told by the Dutch team that we were to have several, oh, I guess you'd call them rules set in place as we began this conference. And the main one was not to evoke any emotion among the people. Over and over, they would stress that the Czech people were not demonstrative at all. They were very reserved, that if we tried to elicit any emotion from them, that they would probably get up and leave. And how can you minister to them if they're, if they're not there? Uh, we were told not to be disappointed if we got very little, if any, response from what we presented, that they would not raise their hands, they would not stand up to uh, praise, and that they simply were very reserved that anything they did to call attention to their faith as Christians had been suppressed for so long within the Czech Republic by the communist government that this was not part of who they were. They were almost unconditionally conditioned to be very hesitant in expressing their faith and their Christian identity. I guess we had around 300 people at this conference, and I don't know, you just didn't see any emotion on anybody's faces. It was kind of strange. It was a little robotic. Everybody was very kind, very respectful, but just expressionless. Well, we sat through, oh, two days of the lectures from the Dutch team and ministry that was just done as a group, and so no one was expected to respond, and we didn't see any response, really. But it got to be the day it was our turn, and Conley and I were praying about what exactly we were going to do. We believed that we were supposed to do a session on the importance of confession of sin, both the sins committed against us and the sins we committed, and how to deal with that, how to receive God's forgiveness, and then how to forgive others. And so that was going to be the gist of how we were going to present our lecture. And yet, we just didn't know how to do it because they didn't need another lecture. We both felt strongly that they need to experience the presence of God and receive a miracle. And I just had the sense that there was so little expectation because very few of them had ever seen a miracle. They didn't know miracles still happened in this day and age. And we both, I think, had the same idea at the same time about this 13-minute YouTube video we could show them that would demonstrate a modern-day miracle. Now, let me explain to you what this video is, because you can go and watch it yourself, and we hope you will. When we lived in Mobile, Alabama, Conley and a pastor of another church were very good friends and met together frequently. And this man's wife, her name is Delia Knox, had been paralyzed for 23 years from an accident. I think it was in a car accident that severed her spine. I think it happened on Christmas Day. Christmas Eve. Christmas I think. Eve, yeah. They were going home from church. Her father 
was a pastor. Uh huh. And so she's the loveliest woman you've ever seen, a worship leader, but she was confined to a wheelchair. And Conley's friend, Levy Knox, had never even seen his wife out of this wheelchair when they married. And she was just an amazing woman. She could dance in a wheelchair. Oh, I'm telling you, you would believe how she could twirl and praise God in a wheelchair. Anyway, at this meeting in Mobile one night, this young evangelist, Nathan Morris, prayed for her, and God orchestrated setting her free from this paralysis. It was truly one of those restoration miracles. And someone there recorded this and put it on YouTube. You know, you can get anything on YouTube nowadays, I guess, but this is just a gem from God. And if you want to look at it, just search on YouTube for Delia Knox, K-N-O-X, Delia Knox walking, and you can look at it. Okay, so we're in Prague, and we're both saying they need to see a miracle, and we could show them one. We can take 13 minutes out of our allotted time and show them this video. Well, the girl who was doing the video farm couldn't get the sound to work, which was fine, because I explained along the way, as they watched it, what was happening in the spirit world as well as in the physical world. And one of the things I told them as they watched this was that all of us are paralyzed by something in our lives. It might be emotional, physical. It might be a deep-seated memory. It could be all sorts of things. But we're all paralyzed by something, and we need healing from it. We need a touch from God. And you see in the progress of this healing over 13 minutes that it's not just instant. And I know it can be, but this one wasn't just instant. It was a progression. And sometimes it's difficult when we go through the healing process. And you see, when Delia's being healed, she got tired. And there was a time when she had to just sit down and rest before she could continue to let her legs do the work God was generating them to do and to start to walk again. You see that she had people on each side of her holding her up. We all need someone to help us, to walk alongside us in the healing process as God works in our lives. And then you see her collaborate with God in some of the most unusual ways. And we need to learn to do that, collaborate with what He's doing, what He's teaching us to do. And then you see her praising God along the way. And when we can do that, it's just a powerful, powerful result. Well, we watched this as I explained it to them through a translator of what was happening the people were absolutely frozen. I mean, it, it was so quiet, you wouldn't believe, with that many people in a room. No one coughed, no one fidgeted. It was just a frozen moment. And so Conley and I both came up to the podium, and we were going to begin to pray for them for the miracles God wanted to do in their lives, just like they'd seen what He did in Delia's life. 
And it was the strangest thing. I, Conley had said, you start the prayer. And before I could get a word out of my mouth, these deep groanings of sobbing just rose up in me, and I started crying. And, I mean, Conley, you can attest, I don't cry that often. That's true. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm not a crier, really. But these were deep, gut-wrenching sobs. It wasn't pretty. They were startled. I mean, the people in the conference, their eyes were huge as saucers, like, what in the world is this woman doing? And yet, I wasn't embarrassed, and I wasn't reluctant to let it happen, because this had happened to me once before, and y'all, it had been 37 years before when this happened. And I want to tell you very briefly about what had happened to me 37 years before. In the last episode, we told you about the fire in the fireplace at our house and that intense presence of God and a whole new world opening up to us. And we had asked Leanne Payne about, does anybody else ever experience this sort of thing? And she said, well, there's a little church just a few blocks away from here, down the street, and they're familiar with this sort of thing happening there. And we said, oh, well, do you think we could go sometime? And she said, they have services every Monday night. Why don't we go tomorrow night? So we did that, and I think she got there before we did. And we were late because... One of our sons had had a little fall on the fireplace and cut his head open. We had to go to the emergency room. We had to get stitches. And I mean, this happens with little boys. And anyway, we had to take care of him. Then we had to get a babysitter. And Conley had come home from work early. And because we were going to go to church, he changed clothes and put on a suit and tie. And we thought that's what you did when you went to church. So we go to this little neighborhood church that we hadn't really paid much attention to before. And when we get there, the service had already started, and it wasn't a real big church. And everyone was sitting on one side of the church, and we didn't want to call attention to ourselves. So we sat by the door on the other side of the church, and you think we didn't call attention to ourselves because everybody there turned around to look at us, didn't they? I wanted to be close to the door, just in case. <laughs> well, we got there, and a woman was up front giving some kind of a testimony. And I don't know what she was talking about, but all I remember was that it was extremely emotional, and she was sobbing. She was crying and crying, and I was embarrassed for her. I had never seen such an awkward demonstration of emotions in public like that. And it just made me very uncomfortable. And I remember we slipped out before it was even over, so we didn't have to talk to anybody. But we told several of our friends about this, and we said, you know, we'd, we'd kind of like to go again because we didn't see much except this one woman who just cried and cried and cried, and it was kind of strange. And we even all kind of laughed about it. Well, we decided, in spite of all that, we'd go back the next Monday night. So several of us got there on time, were dressed a little more casually, <laughs> and we all sat on the same side everybody else sat on to blend in. 
Well, this time there was no testimony and there was no emotion or anything like that. And the pastor was doing a really good Bible teaching. It was good. And for no reason at all, I started sobbing. And I was astounded at why this was happening to me. Why am I crying? I'm not upset. No one said or done anything that would get me upset. And I couldn't stop. And our friends were peering over, looking down the pew at me like, what in the world is going on? And the more I tried to stifle it, the more I would cry until finally everybody in the church was turning around to stare at me. And when we left that night, I still did not know why I was crying until I got home. And it was like God showed me, He exposed to me, really, what was in my heart and in a most graphic way. The the judgmentalism, the ridicule of people unlike me, an experience I'd never seen before, I was undone, and I confessed it and repented and received His forgiveness for that, and I never forgot it. I didn't quite understand it, but I never forgot it. Were you embarrassed that night? That <laughs> we All of your friends were embarrassed. <laughs> I made a fool of myself. The pew was shaking. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite dramatic, really. Okay, so now— 37 years later, I'm standing before 300 people at a podium in Prague with these reserved people who don't want to let their emotions be exposed, and I'm doing the same thing. Only this time in Prague, I recognized it, that this is a way God prepares a heart to confess, to receive forgiveness, and to be healed the same way He'd healed me. There started the healing in me 37 years before. And so I didn't resist it. I wasn't embarrassed. I just let it go. And I'm praying while I'm sobbing and sobbing. I'm I'm praying, oh, God, do what you want to do here. And so finally, the, the sobs subsided. And Conley and I led them in a prayer of confessing the sins committed against them by the Communist Party, by people who had intended to harm them, to quench the human spirit in them, and to confess their own sins about the way they'd reacted to it, and then receive God's forgiveness and forgive themselves and forgive others. And it was the most amazing time of prayer. Then we did the very thing we'd been warned not to do. We invited them that if they would like to solidify this decision they had made to receive God's forgiveness and forgive others, to get up out of their seats, come down the center aisle, and we would lay hands on them in a biblical fashion and pray for them to confirm what God had done. And when we gave that invitation, you could hear the Dutch team behind us go, you know, (laughs) this is exactly what they told us not to do. And I'm sure they all thought the Czechs were just going to get up and walk out the back door. But to a person, every one of them came forward. And it was the most amazing outpouring of the Spirit of God 
when we would lay hands on them, many of them, I'd say almost most of them, could not stand under the power of God, and they would just fall out. So the the people translating for us literally became catchers, and they're just helping people down to the floor. It was quite something. We had all these middle-aged men who were there with tears running down their cheeks. I bet they had not cried in years. They had their handkerchiefs out as they were waiting to be prayed for and sobbing, maybe not as much as Cigna had, but obviously more than they were at all comfortable with. God was moving in them. It wasn't what we said or did, but God was moving in those Czech people, preparing them to receive His forgiveness. Well, one of the things, you want to tell them about the time crunch? This was kind of funny. Yeah, the the, uh, whole morning, or really the whole day, was very carefully orchestrated down to the minute. It was very precise. And they had allotted maybe five to ten minutes for any kind of prayers at the end of our presentation. And what we did not know, but there was a uh, publishing company that had set up a bunch of books out in the foyer, and they were financing part of the conference, but they were going to use the time to sell product to the people who were there. And the 10 minutes they'd allotted to us turned into an hour and a half, which completely messed up the calendar as scheduled for the whole day, which was not pleasing to anybody, either the Dutch team or the Czech team that had made the arrangements. Can you imagine if if we had cut this off and just said, oh, we're sorry, our time's up, you know, we just, when God started moving, we knew we had to let Him be in control. And it was amazing. All right, so we get through that. So later we have a collective team meeting between the Czech team and the Dutch team and the two Americans who are there. And we were going to get reprimanded by the Dutch for sure because they were very upset that that we had messed up the the, the liturgy. <laughs> There's but, n- nothing more upsetting to people who want to be in control than messing up their schedule. Yeah, and we did it big time. Or Well, God did it, really. Yeah. We, we let him do it. We were responsible. Well, anyway, instead of the reprimand from the Dutch, the Czech team, who had been so reserved in our previous meetings, were energized and vocal and wanted to talk. So they just started sharing stories, just one after the other after the other. It was like the difference between night and day from when we'd met the previous times to this particular time. I mean, like one woman, who's a middle-aged woman, said that when she was born, she was put that day, her birthday, in a collective nursery and taken care of by the party, and that she never got a chance to bond with her mother and her father and her siblings. She was well taken care of. She was well fed. She was educated. But she was part of a collective nursery. And she said, because of that, she never really knew who she was. She said, I I never knew what my identity was. I had a name, but I had no depth of identity. And she just sobbed as she said, as she related this. And she said, but I forgave them a while ago. I forgave them. 
And I felt like God gave me a new name, and he's, he spoke to me, and oh, she was just transformed. You wouldn't believe the difference in how she looked. There was a man there who said that his grandfather, who was elderly when the communists took over, began to criticize what they were doing and said, this is not right. This is going to end in disaster. You cannot treat people this way. And his grandfather was not allowed to speak, and he was imprisoned and kept in prison until his death. And this man said, my whole life I've been so stifled in anything I've thought, anything creative, that I stifle it because of that fear, because of what I saw them do to my grandfather. Several people said that they never had permission to speak freely, even at home with their family, even with their children, with their spouse. They never felt the freedom to just speak what was in their heart. It always had to be very carefully measured and suppressed if they had any negative feelings. And I mean, I don't know if you can think of some other examples or not, but it went on and on for hours. And again, we upset the whole plan of where we were supposed to have dinner that night and all this, you know, because they needed to talk. They needed to vent. Well, they needed to receive a healing of their soul that allowed them to get in touch with who they really were as Christians. Okay, so we tell you this story, which to us is just one of the most amazing miracles we've seen in ministry, to relate it now to why is this part of the Yellow Sofa and this podcast. Well, I think you can make the analogy. It's whatever it is that's happened in your life Bring it out from the dark place where it's been hiding, the loft of your mind, and air it out. Bring it out. Bring it to the light. And speak words of healing into that dark thing that's there. Let other people begin to speak into it, and especially listen to what God is saying in your heart. Let fresh eyes begin to describe that thing for you, fresh eyes that aren't tainted by the pain of the past, and confess those sins that have been committed against you. Say them out loud to God, and then confess your own sins the way you responded, and then receive God's healing, because He always is willing to heal. If you confess your sins, He's faithful to forgive, and then He'll cleanse you. So receive His cleansing and then just take it into yourself and let His forgiveness be your new identity. So we encourage you, expect miracles. Look at the video of Delia Knox walking and just see yourself in her story. To this day, she's living a miraculous life. She walks in those six-inch high heel <laughs> shoes and she celebrates life. She's a lovely person. One of the things that I have learned over the years, it took me a while, the thing that we in the United States so often do is to have highly structured, organized meetings and services, and we allow a little bit of time for God to do what we want Him to do based on what we have said, preached, taught, whatever. And I realize that the important thing is that we give God time as much as he wants to do what he wants to do. 
And he really is the one who's in charge. And if he doesn't do it, it doesn't make any difference what we do. The power to heal is in his hands and not ours. One of our pastors from Mobile, John Kilpatrick, used to use this little analogy. He said, look at a credit card, the size of a credit card. And he said, it might be in a service. God opens a window to do miracles only the size of a credit card. It might not be this big whoosh of loud wind and and a fire in the fireplace. It might be a tiny opening, no larger than a little credit card. But when you discern that he's doing that, give him space and see what he will do. Recognize it. Look for it. Expect a miracle. The work of the Holy Spirit is so much more important for people to receive than whatever we plan to do, how long the choir has rehearsed for their anthem, or how long we have worked on a sermon of any kind. Look for your little credit card space this week. See what happens. Expect. God bless you all. We love you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yellow Sofa, Modern Day Miracles. To find out more about the Bodish Boss ministry and to connect with them, visit www.signabodishbaugh.com. The link for that is in the show notes. Special thanks to Daniel Matthews of Rockwell and John Rhodes of Rhodes Recording for producing this podcast. You can learn more about them by visiting their links in the show notes. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, Consider leaving a review and sharing it with a friend. It truly helps.